is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. Today I am joined by singer-songwriter Lisa Caruso. Lisa has just released a video for her single Shake Baby Shake, which has had some love on Double J and Triple J. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. You have been in London working on the kind of the songs that are about to be released. You spent a while in London doing those. Uh, how was that experience? Yeah, really great. The reason why I went to London is I really just to chase the producer. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to go to London. So I had been looking for a producer for a while. And um, yeah, the guy that I wanted to work with just happened to live there, Ben Fletcher. Okay. And so how long were you there for? Not too long, actually. Oh, it was, right. Okay. It was only oh maybe 10 days. So we got started on it. We kind of went in. Bit of a on a bit of a whim, but we did a lot of pre-production stuff over emailing. Yeah, when we got there, we just said, "Let's just have fun, see what happens, see what comes out of it." We knew there'd be a single coming out of it, but we got through about four or five tracks, some right, some okay. undone, some not finished. Sorry, and yeah, but now bringing them back to Australia, we finished a lot of stuff, and we're actually he's actually going to be in. Sydney in a couple of weeks and we're going to do some more recording and hopefully finish the album then. Oh, right. Mm. So it was kind of the seed for an album that you started yeah. here in London. I mean, we plan to do it a lot sooner than having a next year release, but it's still coming together. <laughs> okay, cool. I read on your website that you're a musician pretending to know what to do with technology. <laughs> I, uh, there are so many, in 2018, there are so many crazy avenues, new avenues to, I guess, reach people, but it can be kind of overwhelming. And the, I've kind of found that the weight of that can be kind of crushing. What is your relationship with the digital world and music? Yeah, technology. I don't love it. I okay. think um, I always said, you know, people ask you, oh, what era would you be in if you could choose? And I think it would just be pre all this stuff. I okay. don't know. I feel... Like I'm a bit more of an organic musician. I just like to pick up a guitar and kind of see what comes out. I mean, you can't really say that, can you, when it, technology does so much to music. Mm. But, yeah, I don't – I'd just rather give it to somebody else, that side of things. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let a manager do all the stuff and it will be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's actually a much better question than the one that I asked. Which, <laughs> which era would you prefer to be for? In terms of throwing back to artists of yesteryear, could you tell me a story about Frida Kahlo and why she is such an influence for you? Yeah, like a lot of people, I guess. There was a – actually, was it two years ago they had an exhibition of her work in Sydney – and that was amazing. I think my sister took me as a birthday present. We went for dinner afterwards. It was sweet. Yeah, she's been on my mind for quite a few years. I've had a bit of a collection of her things. I've got a book of, of her poetry, actually. Just knowing her story, she's such a strong woman. She just went through so much. 
but um, remained just so herself and not unafraid, just the resilience she had to push on and use what she went through to make art and make incredible art. It's quite inspiring. How did you stumble upon her? How did you um, find her for the first time? I don't know. I think you see okay. her face around a lot, don't you? Actually, she was very... <laughs> I love the monobrow. It was, it was quite striking to kind of <laughs> see that image. And she's so beautiful. And I just love, you know, women and, and men that can just do their thing and not worry about glam. She's just such a natural beauty. You know? mm. I'm just all for that. So I guess that intrigued me to start with. <laughs> her looks cool. intrigued me. I think I maybe have heard of her from Patti Smith's books, mm. but I'll have to go and investigate because I really don't know that much about her. So she was a poet or mainly a fine artist? An artist, yeah. She painted. Okay. Yeah. She has a pretty crazy life story. She was in a bus accident. But what kind of era are we talking about? Uh, mainly the 30s and 40s, I think. Right, Is okay. when maybe her prime was. And she had a bus accident? Yes. One of the poles in the bus actually went up into her body, pretty oh, much. wow. And then she was paralysed from then on and did all her paintings in bed. So some really dark stuff in there. Um, I'm not sure how she passed away, but... That's a very interesting story that I guess that shaped her life so much and that kind of changed the way that she saw the world and that was kind of reflected in her artistry. I enjoyed watching your the kind of initial video that you did for Shake Baby Shake with a pillow. Mm. I think that's a very nice homage <laughs> <laughs> to her. Uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of Shake Baby Shake, I really enjoyed your that track that you've released quite recently. I think maybe let's have a listen to that now. Cool. And then we'll come back and have a bit of a chat about it and also about the video that went with it as well. So this is Shake Baby Shake by Lisa Caruso.
Shake, Baby Shake by Lisa Caruso. The music video, which has just been released for that, is really visceral. And you can kind of tell that you've poured a lot of yourself into that process. Can you tell us about the process of making the video? And was it a really, like, draining process? Because it looked like you just kind of gave (laughs) it everything. Yeah, it was actually, um, you know, when you're in front of the camera you don't know what it's looking like and I kind of chose not to check in and see how it was looking or what I was doing and stuff I mean a lot of it was in the mirror I suppose so that was a nice you know I'm not an actress but um, I worked with some amazing people a really small team um, a guy named Adam Singer who I'd known before and I'd seen some of his photography work and I just thought wow this guy has a really nice he has a good eye and um, we'd hung out a little bit and he's just such a lovely man. And for me, when making art, I just want to work with people that I feel comfortable around and that, you know, have the same similar vision. Not not exactly the same because we want some variety. But, yeah, so we had chats. We had lots of chats about it and I opened up about this song and the story and I had a lot of ideas. Um, but he also brought a lot as well so we scouted for a location and then once we found this incredible hall um the proper kind of I guess narrative came from that we're like gosh this retro style bathroom is too good to not use so Mm. we based yeah we we spent a lot of time working on it it was something that is really important to me I really wanted to make sure that the visual matched what I was singing about, um, just particularly for this song, I suppose it's quite dear to me. But yeah, I, got, I had a choreographer that was fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> she um, directed a lot of the movement, which was really great. So I had Adam, I had Ellen, and just a lovely makeup artist there also being very supportive. <laughs> what about the editing stuff? So once it's all done, do you have a big input? into the final process or is it it's like a present at the end and you open it and you get to see the final product yeah I'm a bit I'm not let's not say controlling but (laughs) I find the edit so important and I feel like because a lot of it was you know my vision and stuff I just wanted to be there so um we worked together and we worked together really well in the edit if you watch the film clip there's kind of three three themes going on 
there's so it's about an invisible illness having an invisible illness and the themes that run it are kind of you know how you appear on the outside and everyone thinks you're fine like I think that's the main thing there's so many invisible illnesses out there um so a lot of people would connect with that and then I I thought it was going to be a bit of a challenge so I'm still getting a lot of feedback actually to from different people to say hey did you get it like did you did it come through you know so we had the look good we called it the look good image so I had you know had the makeup on and was kind of having a good time and it looked fine um and then there was the kind of the shade of that and the darker image of trying to bring out I suppose the pain on the inside but also you know when you're not out and you're at home and you don't look as good because you you're stressed like you you don't you don't really give in to people on the outside that you're going through something so off came the makeup and I think we did that as well because it just made it more obvious and then in the song as well I wanted to show some just some power behind yeah I have an invisible illness but like it's okay and you know that kind of brought in a bit of the mental health stuff of there's just so much out there with social media now and people posting just so much about which is great like they talk they show their journey and stuff like that but for me I wanted to be a voice to show yeah it's shit and it's really hard but how can we find a little bit of strength and positivity even when we're feeling so down so the hall scenes when it's not supposed to be me it's just like supposed to be like a visual image of strength um so in that I did the dancing I had the gold leafing on my arms to Mm. kind of yeah be this visual of strength and did a bit of yoga (laughs) I don't know how much of that got in it in the end but just yeah yoga for me has been a huge thing in kind of a recovery thing and just mentally as well like I still don't like going sometimes but I just push through because I feel like by the end of it it's going to be great tonight is gonna be the night that time takes over you mentioned I guess on wanting to Having a problem but wanting to project power. Mm. I think that definitely comes through in the lyrics as well. The line that really struck me was, if only my body could enjoy the misery. It's pretty powerful. And I guess in that scene as well when you're delivering it. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've spoken about having this illness and you've been, I guess, using music as a platform to maybe process what's Mm. been going on would that be kind of a fair assumption that you're kind of using music to help you understand or to help project what's going on yeah I think um subconsciously that's just happened which is which is really nice I don't think I really knew that until I released it (laughs) you're doing the Frida Kahlo thing absolutely unconsciously (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's it's been it's been really good actually I've I chose to release this one first because, you know, it's what I've been through for the past couple of years. I have Crohn's disease and um, 
it's a it's a disease that's it's, it's inflammation of the bowel and there's a lot of different symptoms that some people get some people don't and I've had it for a big part of my life and over the past couple years since my last release I went through quite a bad relapse and in that it's it can be quite debilitating and I couldn't you know I couldn't sing and it's really upsetting like when you can't use your body to do what you love Mm. so I wrote this song during that and um yeah it was interesting actually I was talking about something the other day that like vocally when you're kind of this is the whole the strength and using it you know using the power because that line that you just said before actually if only my body could enjoy the misery it's not (laughs) I'm I'm a total realist I'm not like this is great and it's not but in saying that you know you dealt with some cards that you can't necessarily do too much about where's that strength to kind of be okay with it if that makes sense Mm. so sorry going back to what I was saying before about the vocals I remember when I was unwell and I couldn't like my voice was tired and I'd, so I'd be like lying in bed and playing guitar and I have a recording of this on my phone actually. I found it the other day. I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, and the kind of the shrill in my voice in the upper register, if you hear it at the end of the song, um, there's a bit of like a grunt, like a growl. Like that comes from like weakness, like the weakness that I felt in my body. Like I tried to hold the note, but I couldn't. Okay. Um, and so... I feel I feel good now. Like at the moment, I'm doing really well, which is great. But um, somehow I managed to to learn how to still produce that. It really is such a visceral song, mm. documenting your experience. I I don't want to put a genre on it. I'm afraid <laughs> of doing that. Um, when I listen to new music, I guess I kind of hear everything through a blues lens because I really love blues music. Okay. Oh, cool. Is that an influence for you? Because I was getting a lot of blues in Shake Baby Shake. Yeah, cool. Maybe more so than your previous releases from a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. I tend to write, it's always around the voice, I suppose. And I like a lot of, I suppose, soul voices. I've always thought of myself as like, before these tracks as well, my older stuff were quite folky, but I always thought it was like soul folk. I like a lot of 60s music. And I think I probably do chuck in a lot of bluesy kind of notes just because my melodies tend to lean that way for whatever reason. Well, that's what I was getting. Mm. (laughs) And I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Today, our love is unforgiving. You have a beautiful telecaster. That's more, I guess, of a comment than a question. <laughs> Can you tell the story about how you got that white oh, Telecaster? Like. I like hearing Telecaster stories. Yeah. I have one too, but it's not its not white. Yeah. I, You know, when you're looking for a car or something, like I, I do all the same with guitars. I wanted something white or off-white. Okay. But anyway, no, it wasn't about the colour, just about the colour. It was about the sound. And I, for ages I looked for an electric guitar because before this I played acoustic and um went to America a couple years ago and that's when I really started looking in the music stores and trying out different sounds and um I knew I liked a telly but I liked something a bit warmer so this one has a humbuck humbucker pickup oh right yeah 
yeah so and it just works i've been trying to fiddle with some more pedals and stuff but yeah, just Using bought like, it from the Shire, actually. It was just a... Oh, right. <laughs> it wasn't in from America in the so end. So you went to the US to realise that you wanted to buy a guitar in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, how, how much is it going to cost and what's cheaper? And I ended up waiting until I got back. Cool. Uh, you touched on this a little bit before. So this one is going to be part of a larger body of work. Mm. So you have an album that's coming on the way. Are there going to be some more singles released before we see that full album? Yeah, planning to release another single, hopefully in February. That'll then come off an album. So I do I do want to release a few singles before that happens. You spend so much time and energy recording mm. all these songs. You want them to be heard um, properly. But it'll make sense to the album. I want to release some songs to kind of the next few songs that I am that I have recorded, I suppose, the ones I have recorded, they are quite different to shake so i'm excited about that too okay cool so maybe we'll get some more singles towards the start of next year Mm. yeah cool it is time for the segment tell me a thing where i give you a list of seven topics and I ask you to tell me something about one of them. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, poetry, death, and politics. Lisa, can you please tell me a thing? <laughs> I think my thing is poetry. Okay. If I think poetry is like that word game, what do you think of next? I think of Joni Mitchell. When I first really got into music and sort of songwriting, um, I was listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell and, of course, her album Blue, which is so incredible. And there's always lines from her songs that really stick with me. And then also, like, keep evolving in terms of, like, interpretation and visual and things like that. And I'm really fascinated by her lyric writing, which is highly poetic, I suppose, Um so you understand it on like a different level when you come back to revisit a few years later. Yeah, that I guess that's the best thing about um, words, I suppose, for me, is that, yeah, it's like reading a book again a couple of years later mm. and then feeling different about it. I think that's so cool. Because you kind of have had more experiences, I guess, yeah. to draw on. Yeah, it's like watching that childhood movie again almost. Um, when you're like, yeah. gosh, I didn't realise it was not that funny. <laughs> Stuff like that. I guess the exception to that rule is The Simpsons, which is funny. Yeah. Regardless of and how Seinfeld. old you are. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Always relevant. <laughs> Do you read a lot of – so talk about Joni Mitchell. I actually mm. don't know that much about Joni Mitchell, to be honest. I need to go and listen to Blue. Yeah. Um, do you read poetry as well? You mentioned before that you had a Frida Kahlo poetry book. Yeah. Or is it mainly through the lyrics? They're just her words. I think I, I encapsulate poetry. I kind of talk about poetry like it doesn't need to rhyme. It's just kind of speech and word thoughts, I guess. Because mm. poetry is quite broad, isn't it? It's mm. not just cat that sat on the mat and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh-huh. I have a Patti Smith book on my desk at work. Mm-hmm. And it, the I guess the forms of poetry that it uses is so varied. Mm. Different rhyming schemes almost two, like, short stories and everything in between. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think that's something that you think about in your songwriting too. 
especially when you're making a collection of songs, it's like, okay, well, how is this album going? I think I can easily really write like me, 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 like just in first person. But um, yeah, I think that's where poetry is really cool, actually, because there's different techniques and things you can draw upon to say the same thing. Um, mm. Yeah. So that's poetry, I guess, in songwriting, which is feeling like a bit of cop-out. <laughs> but I also like, um, I don't think I've bought enough poetry books, but a housemate, an old housemate of mine, she had a book by Rupi, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Kaur, and she's an Indian-born Canadian poet. Um, and a lot of people will know about her. She's She's an activist and... She speaks so honestly and it's just brilliant. She has two books, I think, that I know of and I've read both and one is really dark and talks about really dark things about her childhood and the other one's really bright and colourful and beautiful. So wow. that's the whole, you know, that's, the, you know, going back to Shake, like I love that you can you can talk about the darkness but you also talk about the lightness. Like it's not all heavy, you mm. know, like I... Yeah, I find that really important when putting out art, I suppose. not. I mean, not for everyone. We were speaking earlier off the air about mm. artists like Sufjan Stevens and Carrie and Lowell and the Nick Caves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, those albums have a purpose to be that way and they're highly impactful. So I don't want to take away from that either. But I like seeing an artist's work, poet's work, a writer's work where... You're like, oh, there's another side of that person. Mm. I'd have to share with you too, actually, sorry. The Carpenters. The Carpenters. So, you know, people say, oh, how did, you know, what was the music that you listened to when you were younger? And my mum loves the Carpenters. And I think that's kind of subconsciously made me the writer that I am now too because the Carpenters, um, Karen Carpenter, who had, a, who had a tough life, her songs, you know, they're either ridiculously happy <laughs> Or like just so sad, and um, I love it. <laughs> Both sides of the artistic coin. <laughs> yeah, there's no in between. <laughs> cool. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on Women Who Rock. Thank you. It's been fun. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3. Shake, baby, shake.